Welcome to PR360, a weekly interview podcast dedicated to talking about the important topics within the public relations technology industry, hosted by Brett Deister and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find out more information at globalresultspr.com. And welcome everybody to a new episode of PR360. I'm your host, Brett Deister, and with me we have Steve Shattuck. Well, I actually think you're going to actually like this episode quite a bit, just like all our episodes, but he currently works as a senior corporate communication person at Western Digital. He's also a pretty good public relations leader as well, a thought leader in more of the tech side of it. He spent nearly three decades in this industry, and he has a proven track record with driving results for tech companies. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you very much, Brad. I appreciate it. Now, it's the great debate as always. Are you a coffee or tea person in the morning? Well, I may have a different answer for you. Mm. I'm neither. Vitamin B is what I rely on. I like coffee and tea, but they don't uh, necessarily like me. So I, I rely on vitamin B and a little artificial caffeine. Fair enough. I'm a coffee aficionado myself, but it's not for everybody. Yep. But anyways, can you explain a little bit about Western Digital Communication and team and business itself as well? Sure, sure. So Western Digital has grown a lot over the last few years and largely through a couple of large acquisitions. The core of Western Digital, the original Western Digital, is 50 years old this April. The new additions, I guess, are Hitachi Global Storage, HGST, which is a was largely a data center technology company, and then SanDisk, which a lot of consumers are familiar with. They make anything from compact cards, compact flash cards, and secure disk cards to SSDs for PCs and other enterprises. We do still maintain those brands. WD and SanDisk are consumer brands, so we make WD is really about the archival of data for consumers, where SanDisk appeals to consumers who take their data with them and require a mobile solution. We also have G Technology as a consumer or semi-pro brand that addresses content creators, photographers, videographers, and we work very closely with filmmakers as well. Mm, so there's like a lot of things going on with there, especially with acquisitioning. How does your team navigate the messaging around that? And how do you know not to take over a brand and leave it as its own self? How do you figure that out? No, that's a good question. So in addition to those brands, if we look at our business, it's broken into the consumer areas that I talked about, but then also a very large part of our revenue in our business is what we call devices. So these are hard drives or SSDs or other NAND flash-based devices that fit into other systems. And we also sell what we call platforms, which are a lot of these devices that are in a box that slide into racks for data centers. So we are very customer-centric, of course, when we break down our communication strategies for, for each of these segments. One thing that focus on a lot, of course, is customer centricity for all of these areas. And for consumers, there are a couple things. One is as technology advances, and we are a leader in technology, both in hard drives and in flash, 
We own both of those technologies. In fact, we invest more than $2 billion a year, last year anyways, in R&D. So we have a very strong leadership position from the core technology all the way up to the products themselves. So one communication strategy that we rely on is the next step. In fact, at CES this week, we announced a prototype, but nevertheless, an 8-terabyte portable SSD. So that's a lot of content that fits into your pocket. We also listen very carefully to customer centricity. We listen to customers through research that we do that also, of course, is shared through either earned or paid means. We are also very focused on influencers and their role in the overall media landscape. Something that is important across all of our business as well is data. We're a data company and we rely on data to help us make a lot of our decisions. So as you move into more of the data center businesses, they have different needs and different care abouts, of course, are focused on their business and what data infrastructure means to their business. As you move further through PCs, surveillance systems, NAS devices, and into data centers, we rely largely on the interest of the customer and how we can participate in conversations and engage those customers in a way through various channels and content means to build their trust. Yeah. And you talked about kind of the videographers, the photographers and everything else. And how does Sandisk figure out what's going to be great for those types of people? Because you have the DSLRs that are going from 4K to 6K to 8K, how do you know when they need more? Because it seems like we need more and more data. You always need more, of course. And we talk to them is a simple answer. Either direct, we have a advocacy network that we work with, as well as a, 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 a broad influencer network as well that we work with. Like I said, we do research now and again. And One of the avenues, I mentioned G technology, one of the avenues to understand what consumers eventually will need is talking to the professionals. While a professional filmmaker studio, let's say, has very different needs than a consumer, some of those technologies will eventually find their way into consumer products. And speaking also about the photography sector, there has been a lot of reports about how it's crashed or is declining in a rapid pace. How does SanDisk or even Western Digital, because you're the same company, kind of navigate and still message to the core audience? Because there probably will always be a core audience. There is. And if you think about particularly Flash, hard drives as well, but Flash, because of its ability to be a broader variety of devices, including your mobile phone, and devices that may be in an industrial environment, That gives us an opportunity to be anywhere data is, and we really are, how they play into the overall ecosystem. But ultimately, the needs of the customers will always use our products wherever they may be. You talked about photography. If the the device of choice morphs from a DSLR to a fancy smartphone, nevertheless, the different form factors, perhaps different threshold in terms of performance and workloads, which means how, how much data is passed with those devices. Nevertheless, they still have their various needs, and we work with them to understand those. 
And with new sectors coming up, what do you think about the drone industry and how they use video or even photography? Do you think SanDisk will push more into that sector and not do as much with photography because of the downturns in the economy and market? Drones certainly are a factor, and we work closely with partners in that area. The the needs ultimately are the same. It's a lot of video, and it's fast video, and it is vibration and shock-resistant needs as well. So ultimately, we will move in the direction of customers and where the trends are. We will help use our innovation and technology capabilities to achieve their needs. And moving back to more Western Digital and just more of your being a communication lead and facing more competitive challenges with Seagate and Toshiba, how do you properly message and try to change the messaging that you are still like the leading manufacturer in Mm -hmm. hard drives and data? Yeah, there's a couple of things. I mean, we've talked about customer centricity for sure. And some examples that we have that start with our brands and start with the, the structure of our brands. For example, all of our non-data center devices are branded after a color. So you have WD red, WD blue, WD black, and they're all designed for the needs of those different audiences. So gamers need obviously a lot of speed, but they also have thermal considerations as they're hitting those components in their systems hard all the time. So that's where WD black and innovation surrounding those characteristics come. WD Blue, for example, is a little more mainstream, maybe a little more cost-effective for most users. Red has uh, firmware attributes that help it perform in a network-attached storage device. So those channels, if you will, they're brands, but they're channels of customers, help us be very specific in communicating and, I guess, endearing our brand to those customers. The you know, the other thing is from a corporate perspective, Western Digital has been fairly conservative over the years. And over the last few years, we have really transitioned as a company and continue to do so as the industry, and not only the, the media industry, but obviously much more the storage and what we like to say data infrastructure industry is evolving, continuing to do so. We have to appeal to those who also are innovating to, to change the way data infrastructure works. Uh, we're, we're innovating in areas we hadn't before, anywhere from core processor architecture to composable infrastructure and what we call zone storage. Some areas that are really infrastructure-based but will help data centers and industrial applications really manage the the huge influx of data that is happening now and will accelerate in in the future. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the different colors when I've been going to Micro Center or something like that of the blue, red, and black. And I do agree with you, gamers do need quite a bit of resources to do what they do. Yep. But speaking of those two, what is your main audience? Because I see for Western Digital is the content creators, the gamers, and the photographers. Mm-hmm. And I may be missing some, but how do you communicate with them? How do you focus on them? And how do you make sure that you are on the cusp of giving the products that they want and making your audience happy? Sure. So, yeah, we do have a very, if you want to segment our customers, they vary widely from a mainstream consumer all the way to uh, cloud companies and everything in between, including 
you know, a lot of our business is business to business. We have a very successful consumer business, but we sell through the distribution channel. So distributors and resellers are customers, installers and integrators in the case of smart video applications and OEMs that build PCs to servers to their own data storage systems all the way up to what we call hyperscale or cloud customers, all the, the big cloud names that you're aware of. Those are the types of customers that we need to talk to. Of course, from a communications department perspective, we don't necessarily need to directly message to our direct customers. So the channel and the, the experts who are, are building these systems and reselling them and installing them into um, in customers either on-site or on-prem, as they say, data centers or systems such as surveillance systems all have a different, not only place that they get information and want to hear from us where we can make those communication touch points, but clearly they have a different message. Business needs are entirely different than consumer ones. Yeah, and I agree, at least for servers and cloud, that seems to be a pretty big sector and it keeps to be growing. Do you kind of see Specifically for those, is there a different lead management or messaging for those types of customers? Do you go more for LinkedIn? Do you more online ads for those? How do you go about with getting leads from them? No, that's a good question. Content is really key. I know we've all in our industry have heard that over and over again, but we have been leveraging, well, let's say the entire peso model. And that is a big focus for us moving forward as well from paid, earned, shared, and owned. We've built a strong archive and let's say index of content in form of a blog that is addressing a lot of those business-to-business customers and not talking at them, but talking with them and providing valuable insights from a very diverse, both engineering and product development background. And of course, very diverse expertise that we have from owning the core technology, and then all the layers that go from SSD wafer to, or let's say a a NAND flash wafer, up to a full product, which is a system unto its own. So we essentially have different product teams that are very obviously very focused on, on those products and those customers, but the communications team is very much aligned with we now have an in-house team, which is, as I'm learning, is, has been a trend in the industry in the last couple of years. We no longer rely on a large agency. So our internal team is aligned with business segments and ultimately those customers. So not only are we, are we communications professionals, but we also need to be subject matter experts and develop very close relationships with those, those product and market experts. So... Ultimately, we have a unified teams, both on product marketing, channel marketing, and our comms teams that are focused on each of these customers. And what are kind of the strengths and weaknesses with doing in-house than agency? I already talked about that and the trend that's going with being more in-house than going out and getting an agency. Mm-hmm. Well, it, um, it was the right move for us at the time. It was about a year ago and really changing our global marketing strategy. And we felt that we could, we could better serve the business and be much closer to the business and build a team that had not only communications expertise, but also 
that subject matter expertise. And we felt that we could be more effective, and I think so far we are doing so. The risk, of course, in that model is that you use some of the, let's say, broader base expertise and perhaps leading practices that agencies can bring and leading strategies that they can bring. So it's imperative for us, and I would think any other communications group with the same model, to, um, to really be very aware of what's happening with, well, the media landscape. It's changing so quickly, and there are so many different opportunities to engage and influence our audiences that we need to be close to how those are evolving. And it's easy not to do with an in-house team. So those are one of the areas that we really focus on. Yeah. And so moving on to more of influencer marketing and really trying to figure that part out, because now there's three different groups. There's the major influencers, there's the micro influencers, now there's the nano influencers. So do you have like those types of different tiers or have you just been focusing more on the micro and then just forgetting about the big ones? Because they can be expensive. They can, yeah. Celebrity influencers are also another area there that, um, that are costly. It really depends on the audience. You know, we've spent, with our audiences largely being B2B and end users who are technically savvy, we have found success with what you might call more of the micro-influencers in that they may not have as large of an audience, but they certainly have a tight, intimate following, passionate audience for sure. That goes from gaming to content creators to any segment that is, let's say, end-user focused. And it's not to say that we haven't worked with even all the way up to celebrity influencers, where recently, for example, for a product we have named Evie, that we are working with Eva Longoria to demonstrate how she manages all of her digital life, especially her digital photos, both professionally and personally. And using a product like EV allows her to do that. And so what platforms have been useful for those influencers? Which ones have been the most success that you've seen? Has it been more of like the live streaming? Has it been like Flickr? Has it been Twitch? Has it been Twitter? Which one has? It's across the board. I think most commonly, though, it is with our audiences on the consumer side being more geared to those customers that buy a lot of our products anyways are content creators and consuming a lot of a lot of bits. So they are focused more on Instagram, I think largely maybe Facebook, but YouTube is, is key. A lot of video influencers that can bring any anywhere from a how-to message to sort of working our product into their workflow. So what does kind of like the future of the communication for Western Digital look like for the next new decade? Yeah, that's a good question. We think a lot about that, largely for the reason that I mentioned before, different format than we had been before. So we do need to plan for the future and not without the reliance on an agency to help with that strategy. And there are a couple of things. One, influencers are important. And I think it's part of the media spectrum that we need to really continue to understand how it evolves. Different views on how well influential influencers will be and at what level. Another one is data. We're spending a lot of time on measurement and processes to analyze what data means, even in PR, which historically has not been as focused on measurement and analytics in the past. 
Another big one is, like I said, content and a content strategy. We work with other content teams across our communications and marketing organization, and we have areas of improvement to really leverage each part of the PESO acronym, let's say. So we're really focused on thinking holistically and ensuring that uh, content in each of the paid, earned, shared, and owned buckets have some relationship with one another or point to one another or address an area of our customer journey and you know, ultimately, I guess, the, the marketing funnel. So we're very conscious of that and trying to build that effective strategies that address that. And so what are going to be some of the strategies for content-wise? You talked about content because everybody's heard about content for 10 years or more now. Mm -hmm. So what are your new strategies for 2020? Are you going to be focusing more on pictures? Are you going to go more into video, live streaming, podcasting? What does it look like for you guys? Well, I, I think the first thing is to have a strategy. Not to saying that we don't, but I, like I was saying, we have an opportunity to be more holistic in how we view the, the overall content and media landscape. So that's one. We have a pretty successful blog that can be complemented in an own space by potentially for podcasts, by video. These are all areas that we're, we're investigating. The earned area, too, has a lot of opportunity where media obviously struggle, many media are struggling with the advertising model and are working with vendors like ours to have a more holistic content strategy, excuse me, content strategy that involves earned and third-party media sites. So that is another element where we're really putting some emphasis and it also builds a strong relationship between very strong media brands as well as vendor brands like ourselves. So where do you find the most or the most important networks or the biggest successes for consumer excellence slash service? Which ones have you seen give you the best drive for awareness and good feedback? Mm. I think for the majority of our business, LinkedIn has been very effective and is very focused on organizations like ours, of course, with their audience and, and, and format. Yeah, beyond that, on the consumer area of Facebook, Twitter, of course, is always there. Instagram is important for those audiences that we mentioned. But again, for a bulk of our business-to-business -business area, I would say LinkedIn is more of an opportunity than taking advantage of now. So again, another area tactically we're looking to leverage. And with the rise of TikTok and all these other different social networks, you're looking for those more now since there's more on mobile instead. And with, I'm pretty sure you're actually in the mobile market in mm -hmm. general. Mm -hmm. Are you looking at those influencers? Or are you still just waiting to see what happens with the new social networks? I think the latter. Yeah, I think we're, we're not ready to jump in quite yet. I understand. There's always new ones all the time. There are, yep. So, what do you see as key strategies for 2020 for you guys? What are the key things that you guys are really wanting to focus on on this decade as opposed to the last decade? Hmm. I'll go back to a couple of things. One is data. I just think that there are increasing opportunities that marketers are looking to discover. And there's, from a technology standpoint, of course, there's more and more opportunities to obtain data. So through research, 
on the front end of, let's say, a, an earned campaign to measurement and analytics on the back end and feeding strategies moving forward, that is a data is critical. And it's a part of the Western digital culture, of course. We're very data-driven from our IT organization, of course, from our CTO organization, all the way up to senior management, of course, is very data-driven, ideally, of course, because of what we offer our customers. So that's one area. I think that the media landscape continues to change. We all have talked about that over and over. But the thrust of influencers is, is something to continue to, to maintain. I guess to just to repeat, it's for us, we don't want to lose sight of the importance of relationships. Media relations, of course, is based on PR. Is The foundation is relationships. And why we talk about data and content, and content, of course, is focused on building those relationships and trust. The actual relationships with those who are influential, but yet third parties to our customers cannot be overlooked, and we cannot let that slide. Are there any favorite tools that you guys use to decipher the data? Because I keep on hearing data, so. Yeah, currently working with Trendkite Incision and some of the areas that are important to us, in addition to reach and impact our engagement that they help us with, with social shares, essentially, the engagement in earned content, and then also attribution. That's very important to us to understand what behavior we are driving with our earned activity and not only what behavior we are creating, but how we can potentially influence that behavior to a greater degree while maintaining strong relationships, not only those influencers in media, but the end customers. I have a few fun questions for you. One, will SATA ever finally be done with? SATA, probably, but it will be a long time. If you, you may remember many years ago, PADA went through the same transition and there were a lot of prognostications about how quickly it would die and it, it took a long time to die. There's a huge infrastructure of SATA that remain in PCs and other systems and we will continue to serve, obviously, those customers as needed. Of course, the PCI bus and NVMe is becoming a very strong next generation option, not only option, but really about the technology for data centers clearly are racing in VME, but we also see it in consumer devices, of course, too. Gaming is for one. SSDs are, as we all know, are making increasing inroads in client devices, and, and NVME is really the ultimate interface or interconnect that helps remove the restrictions that SATA has on SSDs. The other one is, well, we see more of articles saying that the PC industry is dying again because several years ago we heard that it's dying and we're still here with the PCs and everything. Yeah, no, I really don't think it'll die. People need to work. People need bigger screens. They need bigger input devices than what's on their mobile device. And PCs will always be here. They may take different forms as they have over the last five to eight to 10 years and may settle into a different volume. But we also, of course, are seeing growth in PCs in certain geographic markets too. So what we see here in the U.S. isn't necessarily truth for any other, if you look at it from a global perspective. So yeah, PCs will be around for a long time, whatever form they may be. And what are some things that people may be interested in, how do you give advice for them to getting into this industry? Hmm. 
The storage industry or the communications industry? Both. Both. Okay, storage. Um, why would anyone want to get into storage? I'm just kidding. Storage is, and again, what we call digital infrastructure because we really look beyond and are innovating beyond just the storage device itself. To answer your question, though, storage is highly competitive. It is a relatively quiet sector in the tech industry. And to shift gears a little bit and talk more about brand, it becomes more and more of an imperative for Western Digital to not only transform, and it has been, but to demonstrate its transformation publicly. So you did ask about corporate brand. That's an area where we, you'll see us having a stronger position as the leader that we are, sort of publicly and predominantly, I guess, in some of these tech sectors. I mean, one way is we have a college grad program that is focused in the sales and marketing organization. This year, we have, I think, 25 or 30 new college grads that are going through rotations throughout the marketing and sales organization, being exposed to all these different areas. And ultimately, down the road, we hope to be able to hire many of them. And so that's one great way to, for sharp new college grads interested in sales and marketing anyways. Communications, boy, I recommend people just be consumers of content and media, read watch, listen to podcasts like this one, learn. I've found that over the years, I've had an increasing appetite for learning. And I hope that young professionals do as well, because that's truly the best way to understand and to be a, a real thoughtful professional in this area, to understand the dynamics of how we influence our customers and build better relationships with them that uh, it creates being a, a student. Mm, yes, and we didn't even tell him to say about listening to PR360, so thank you for that anyways. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of podcasts. I, again, appreciate you inviting me, and I look forward to seeing this, the growth of this podcast. All right. Any final thoughts for listeners? One thing I think really for communications professionals is to think about the breadth of skill sets that we need now. If you look 10, 15 years ago, the PR field was pretty focused on building relationships and writing, and which, again, are core strengths, the core skill sets that communications pros still need, of course. But with the changing media landscape, with the digital marketing influence on everything that we do, and understanding how data can give us greater insights into not only our customers, but the way media works, the different channels of media work. Those are areas where up and coming communications professionals should really be focused. But we need to be analysts. We need to be content marketers, not just the content itself, but understand the value of content and the trust that it builds with, with customers. And we need to be subject matter experts too. So we're at Western Digital, I think, in many organizations, we're really a pivotal group and can provide more and more value to organizations like ours. All right. Well, thank you, Steve, for joining us for PR360. Thanks, Brett. I appreciate it. And you can follow PR360 on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And join us next week as we interview another great and exciting thought leader in the PR tech industry. I'm your host, Brett Dyster, and have a good week. See you next week, guys. Goodbye.